I know the kids enjoy that. I always enjoy watching them go, and I know that they have a great time there. We are studying the Gospel of John. If you were in Bible class, then you looked at this passage all the way from verses 19 in chapter 1 through, I think, a part of chapter 2, if I remember right. Well, today we're going to look at just the chapter 1 material, a portion of it, and read only one section. This all happened in chapter 1 in four days, and uh, we're going to read about day 3 in the story. Let's be standing, please, as we hear this, the Word of God. Story about John the Baptist as he sees Jesus walking past. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is Aramaic, which is translated as rock. May God English as rock. May God bless the reading of his word. I don't know, Brian, do you think I tried or not? No, okay. <laughs> oh, ye of little faith. Last week, uh, I just at the spur of the moment thought I would do a little jump off here. Then Ed topped me by adding a half spin to that jump. If you were here for the celebration time. Uh, and so I thought, well, I need to up him a little bit. And I was wondering if I could do a full spin. What do you think? Yeah. Eh, probably not. Let's. <laughs> okay. I'm going to come practice before I do that, all right? Last week, uh, I, I took one of our cars into the dealer for some service, and not my favorite thing to do because you end up kind of with time on your hands, and uh, so I'd figured out some things I was going to do, and I did all those things, and the car still wasn't ready, so I did what you do at a car dealership. I started wandering around looking at cars. Now, I enjoy looking at cars, but there's a downside to looking at cars at a dealership. What is that downside? The salespeople are going to come. That's right. That's what they're supposed to do. And so sure enough, as I was walking around looking in these cars, here came this young lady over and began talking to me. And and I knew what she wanted to do, so I said, I'm just looking. And she said, oh, okay, well... Uh, do you have a car in, for service or something? I said, yeah. She said, what is it? And I told her what it was. And she said, oh, that's one of our older body styles, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> well, I certainly knew what she was doing and where this conversation was going to go. And I almost said, look, you're just going to be wasting your time. I'm not buying a car. I'm just looking. But 
I looked around at the lot and there weren't really any other customers there and I didn't feel like I was keeping her from actually working a real contact. And I was just kind of curious about how the sales pitch would go. And so we walked around and looked at some cars and I just listened to her talk about them, trying to create this awareness that I, dri- I was driving a car that was four years old, you know, and here you had these bright, shiny, brand new cars, look at all the improvements, and they were practically giving them away, you know, so she worked as hard as she could, and finally, I saw my car was driven out of the, uh, the service bay, and said, well, there's my car, I got to go, we'll see you, well, as I walked away and got my car, and was pulling off, I could see that her sales manager, she was obviously new, uh, she was kind of nervous and everything. And I could see that her sales manager had kind of pulled her over to the side. And I could see that he was, you know, telling her, okay, here's what you should have done. You don't let a looker walk away. You know, your job is to turn a looker into a buyer. Well, you know, I have a lot of respect for people who work in sales. It is hard work. Taking people who are lookers and turning them into buyers can be a lot of work. And sometimes you have to work hard just to get people to even want to look. I know that because I spent a whole three months of my life in sales. Back when I got out of high school, I think I've told many of you about this before, I signed up and I sold Bibles one summer in Arkadelphia, Arkansas. That was a trip in and of itself. But they took me to Nashville and trained me how to sell and and what I was supposed to say. I can still do my pitch if you want to hear it. Hi, I'm just walking through the neighborhood here talking to all the good church people. And then off we'd go. But then you would start looking around and seeing what you could have. And suppose a woman came to the door and she had little children behind her. What you were supposed to say is, do your children read the Bible as much as you wish they would? Don't you love that question? Well, what is the answer to that? Well, no. Well, you know, if you bought my Bible, they would read it. They would, couldn't wait to get home from school. They would just sit down and just pour over the Bible because you bought this one. I remember talking to a guy one time in, at a door, and he was giving me a reason why he wanted me to get off his porch and leave. And, and I said, uh, you know, well, I knew you were going to say that. And he said, how did you know I was going to say that? And I said, well, I've got this little book right here. And I pulled it out of my pocket, and sure enough, they had given me a book in sales school that told me what people say to get you off their porch and out of their lives. And then when they say this, you're supposed to say this, all right? So I said, well, here's what I'm supposed to tell you. So he said, let me see that. And he took the little book and he said, you know, I was going to say this too. (laughs) I said, well, then I would have said that. He said, oh, well, that's pretty cool. He bought a Bible. It was great. (laughs) He was so impressed with my little book. But it's hard. Sales are hard. And I remember visiting one day at lunch with a friend of mine in Tyler that was a salesman and a good salesman. And and I said, you know, I said, Virgil, I, I really have a lot of respect for you because uh, you, you can sell cars. You, you do that very well, and, and that's just hard to do. And he said, well, Tommy, you're a salesman. And I said, really? And he said, yeah, you sell Jesus. And at the time, I thought, well, I guess that's right. That's what I do. I, I sell Jesus. And then I started thinking, well, really, all Christians are supposed to sell Jesus. 
But selling's hard. You know it? It really is tough. Sometimes it's hard to get people to even want to look at what you're selling. And sometimes it's hard to turn lookers into buyers. And sometimes as we go out to sell Jesus, it can be a rather daunting task. That's why I'm grateful that John wrote this part of his gospel. Because he gives a little bit of a correction to that idea. Maybe, just maybe, it's not our job to sell Jesus. Maybe, just maybe, God isn't calling us to be salespeople. But maybe he's calling us to be something else. When I look through these stories, and these are very familiar stories, as I mentioned, they take place in four days. The first day, John the Baptist is encountered by some skeptics from Jerusalem who are saying, who are you and what are you doing out here? What are you up to? The second day, John is, Baptist is telling some of his disciples that he's found the Messiah because he was baptizing a people and he, and he found the one that, G, that God had said, when you baptize one person, you're going to see the Holy Spirit come on him like a dove. That's the Christ. And he said, that happened. The next day, he points John and Andrew to Jesus. And Andrew goes and gets his brother Simon, whom Jesus then calls Peter. That's the part we just read. Then the next day after that, Jesus goes to Galilee. And there he runs into Philip. And then he meets Nathaniel. And those are wonderful stories and stories that I've read often. But it seems like each time I encounter stories and and I've seen them a lot, and yet I say, okay, this is weak, this is we're gonna talk about this. I see something new in them. And this week, as I was reading along, what I noticed and want to share with you today and point out to you so you can notice it too, that in these stories, there is a whole lot of looking going on. I almost titled the sermon that, a whole lot of looking going on. Just all through this passage, people are seeing, people are looking, people are watching. Now, I'm going to take you through a quick tour of that real fast, if I can get my, there we go, and, and just show you in these chapter, in these verses here, uh, what all is, is being seen in this particular passage. John the Baptist saw Jesus walking toward him, all right? He looks up, and there's Jesus coming toward him. He says, look, there's the Lamb of God. Then he says, I saw the Spirit of God descending upon this man. In fact, he said, God had told me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend, that is going to be the Christ. And then he says, I myself have seen this. He goes on to say, the next day John was watching as Jesus passed by. And Jesus saw Andrew and John as they began to follow him. And Andrew and John said, where are you staying? So Jesus said, well, why don't you come and see? And guess what they did? They came and... The first service was much better at this. (laughs) Maybe they're just better exegetes than you guys, okay? Uh, But uh, no, you can join in uh, with that, okay? Here we go. Jesus, 
looked at Peter. Eh, great, okay. Whenever Andrew brings Simon, uh, his brother, who, who he thought was Simon, and then Jesus names him Cephas, and then he names him Peter. He, but whenever he's walking toward him, Jesus is looking him over and says, look at that. And he says, come and see. That's right. Jesus saw Nathaniel. And he says, I saw you under the fig tree. You know that story. And Nathaniel says, you are the Christ. He said, you believe just because I told you I saw you. But if you will come and follow me, you will see even greater things. In fact, what you will see is heaven open and the angels descending and ascending upon the Son of Man. Now, I told you, that is a lot of blepo going on in there. That's the Greek word. Don't you love that word? Blepo is happening all through this chapter. We're coming, we're looking, we're seeing, we're watching, and this chapter is inviting us to do that very thing, to come and to see. What I believe that John is telling us is that if we will keep our eyes open, we're going to see Jesus. That if we'll just look for him, we'll see him. That he is able still yet even now to be seen. And if we will yet just look and be lookers and see him, Jesus will sell himself. He doesn't have to be sold. He doesn't have to be presented in a way that people, you know, will say, oh, yeah, well, I guess I wanted that. I didn't think I wanted it, but maybe I do. You don't have to twist people's arms. You don't have to do a sales job. You just got to get them to look. You just have to ask them, come and see. A little bit of an aside that I don't know if this will be meaningful to you or not. There's been a lot of events going on in the world this this week, and people highly offended because their God has been offended and feel like they have to defend him. I don't have to sell Jesus, and I don't have to defend Jesus. Jesus can defend himself. Jesus can sell himself. All we have to do is say, come and see. Because he still can be seen. In the text, we have John the Baptist seeing him, Andrew seeing him, John seeing him, Peter seeing him, Philip seeing him, Nathaniel seeing him. All of these see Jesus, and every one of them became a buyer because they saw him. We can see him too. I want to ask you some questions. I see Jesus in the faces of people who have lived with him for a long time. Do you? How many of you know June Green? Raise your hands, okay. How many of you have seen June Green over the past month or so? Okay. How many of you have seen Jesus? You know you have, haven't you? Because you were just looking. You were looking for him and you saw him there. How many of you have volunteered or been associated with the Rust Street Ministries at any time during the past six months? This includes even the party we had with the Rust Street, okay? All right, all right. You know that Jesus said that when you look into the eyes of those who have needs, you're going to see me. How many of you that have been involved at Rust Street have seen Jesus? You did, didn't you? You saw him. He was there. You didn't have to sell anyone. You didn't have to twist anyone's arm. He just showed up, and you saw him. 
You also see Jesus in the quietness of your own life, and you see him as you look back over the events of your life, and you see him in the footsteps as he's walked through your life. Every one of you that have walked with the Lord have a story to tell about a time that Jesus was very near. How many of you have seen Jesus in the footprints of your own life? Raise your hand. Yeah. You see all these people around here who have seen Jesus. And that's all it takes. Because once you see him, you're going to buy. Because Jesus is able to sell himself. Well, if it's true that all we have to do is look, all we have to do is keep our eyes open, all we have to do is be watchful for him and aware that he's going to be there, then this passage encourages us to do that, but it also encourages us to do a couple of other things. There are two statements in this passage, not that say go out and sell Jesus, not that go out and say convince people about who Jesus is, but it tells us to watch for him, and then it says, John says, I myself have seen and testified this is the Son of God. All Jesus asks us to do is just tell others what he means to you. And that's what really people want to hear. You know, anything I see, I talk about. In fact, the most frequent criticism I get amongst others (laughs) is, you've told me that before. I, I, I tend to tell things over and over. Things that I've seen, I get excited about. Last night, Craig, don't listen to this, okay? Last night, I was watching a football game on TV. They wear burnt orange, all right? And my sons and I really get excited about the Longhorns. And so when the Longhorn game starts, one of us starts a group text on the phone. And all through the game, we're texting the whole time. And usually it's something like, did you see that? Did you see that? Wow, what do you think about that? And we're watching this thing together, and we're talking about it. We just do that. When you see Jesus in your life, you're just going to talk about him. And that's what Jesus wants. He wants us to be John the Baptist and say, look, there he is. One other statement that really hits me, it's, it's twice in our passage. It's just simply come and see. You know, even as the preacher in this congregation, as one who has to stand up and talk every Sunday morning, I don't feel a tremendous amount of responsibility to convince you that what I'm saying is right. The responsibility I have is to just offer the invitation is to come and see. I give you my testimony that Jesus is here in the lives of many people sitting in this room. I give you my testimony that I've seen Jesus in the eyes of those that this church has gone out to minister to. I give you my testimony that I myself have experienced the power and the mercy and the grace of Jesus in my life. And all I have to say to you is come and see. Because if you keep your eyes open, you'll see him too. And he'll sell himself to you. Let's stand and sing.